Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. And this morning we have a guest with us. I'd like to invite Frosty up to the platform. As I mentioned, the history of the family uh, this family has in our church. This is uh, Loretta's grandfather, one of them. Their grandfather's here, of course, too. And uh, Frosty grew up in our church. And Frosty and uh, Kathy and their family, uh, they served in the ministry in Long Creek, Oregon, as pastor uh, right. with Village Mission. Served at Bethesda right. Church in Minneapolis as associate and then as pastor. And then how many years in the mission field? And as pastor as well, after yeah, associate. Right. Yep. I said and that. Then, and then about 12 years in Bolivia. 12 years in Bolivia right. as missionaries. And then they returned and have been at uh, Grace Gospel Fellowship as the president, which is the fellowship that our church belongs to. And Frost is going to share a little bit about the ministry of Grace Gospel Fellowship, as well as bring us a message from God's Word today. They're leaving right after church to drive back to Michigan. So it's good to have you guys with us, Frosty, and let's have a word of prayer together. Okay. Father, we thank you for bringing Frosty and Kathy out this week. We thank you they can have some time with their family. We know it's been a very busy year, a lot of exciting things going on in the Grace Gospel Fellowship. We pray as he shares with us the ministry as well as the Word of God this morning, our hearts will be open to you and to your Word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Jim's the name, right? Yeah, Jim. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Or is that your son's name? Yes, it is. It is great to be back at Berean. It's always good to be at Berean. Uh, as Pastor Jim said, this is my home church. And I am so grateful for the fact that in this church I learned who Jesus Christ was, that he was my Savior. In this church I came to know Christ as Savior, or prior to this church, but, but through this church. Um, I grew in the Lord. I came to know the importance of God's word, went to camps and uh, you need to boy, if you haven't, if you're not already planning on being here next week, you need to be here next week and hear the report from camp. From all I have already heard, it was one of the best weeks of camp ever. Even when I was there, um, when I went to camp years ago and it was a few years ago, made some uh some very meaningful commitments of my life as far as my walk with the Lord is, is concerned as well. So this church has meant an awful lot to me, and we are very thankful for the support of Brian over the years. Uh, currently, as Pastor Jim said, I am president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, which is an organization of people like you, churches that agree together on the same doctrinal position that Brian has, Pastors and other organizations that work together to advance the grace of God and impact the world for Christ. We have some exciting things going on with the GGF. Uh, before I touch on just a couple of those things, I want to let you know that there's two tables where we have some literature back there that's free. One of them is our quarterly publication, Truth Magazine. Some of you who are members of the GGF have already received this in the mail. Uh, those who are not, we encourage you to pick it up. We encourage you to become members of the GGF as well. We don't send a whole lot of mailings to you, but but the uh, Truth Magazine and a few other mailings as well, and some profitable things along the way. We also have a couple booklets um, from articles that I wrote. One is called Pastors Are Human. Can you believe that? Some are very human. Um, 
but some reminders that the people who minister to you aren't super saints. They're people just like you and me who go through the struggles of life and who need our support. And the other is uh, regarding the Grace Gospel Fellowship's core values. It's called Roots That Give Life. And it's about the core values that we have as the Grace Gospel Fellowship mentions five key core values. We'd encourage you to pick those up, to read them. They're free for the taking. Uh, also, now two th- special things I'd like to talk to you about the GGF. One is that every summer we have a family Bible conference. And in 2012, we had that family Bible conference here at Berean. Next year, in 2016, it's going to be a Brian Bible Church in Spokane. And we would love to have you with us. It'll start on Thursday, July 7th, and run in, through the morning service of Sunday, July the 10th. So please plan on being with, it, it, with us. It's going to be a great few days together, serving the Lord in the community, studying God's Word together, tremendous fellowship, different activities you know, I asked Paul McDonald, uh, you know, what great things are there to do in Spokane so that we could really talk to people about that? He said, well, there's the River Walk. And the other great thing about Spokane is that it's 300 miles from Seattle. <laughs> uh, only 300 miles is what he said. There's a lot more to do there as well. We're right near Coeur d'Alene. We're going to have some activities that might take us over there as well. So we look forward to having you there. Uh, The other thing is that at our last Family Bible Conference, just this past month, we announced uh, to the people who were there uh, the new vision statement for the Grace Gospel Fellowship. And our Vision 2020 emphasizes 20 churches and 20 pastors. And our goal is for the next five years to work with Ten churches that are struggling to help revitalize those churches and to plant ten new churches across the United States. So that's the 20 churches. Ten revitalized churches and ten new church plants. And the 20 is our need for at least 20 new pastors. Uh, We have a number of pastors who are getting old. Yeah, some of whom are in the process right now of retiring. And we are in the next couple of months going to lose. Well, we had a couple of pastors earlier this year retire. Between now and the first of the year, we have two more retiring. And frankly, we don't have enough pastors to fill those pulpits, plus help us plant 10 new churches. Uh, To me, that 20 new pastors may even be a little bit short. So we are asking you to join us in prayer for 20 new pastors, whether it's young people coming up and entering the ministry. Challenge your young people. As I was, when I was 12 years old, our pastor here at Berean began to say to me, be a pastor, be a preacher, because we need pastors, we need preachers. Challenge your young people towards that. There's no greater thrill than to lead a church, to work with God's people. And to see God's people grow in the things of the Lord. And to reach others for Jesus Christ. But we also need people who are are older. (laughs) People who are already involved as lay workers in a church. To listen to God's call. And if the Lord is laying upon your heart as well. The desire to serve on a higher level. More full time in the ministry. We need you. 
We're looking for people who have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, who have a passion for his word, and who have a desire to reach people for the Lord. So if that's you, and if you have a love for people, uh, contact me, contact our office. We'd love to have you join us. So we need your help as we consider the future in the ministry of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Well, that's my commercial. And now I'd like to go with you to the Word of God. And I'd like to ask you to turn to where uh, my son Gary eloquently led us earlier. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And if somebody, is it this fan here that's blowing my pages? Could you turn that off for me, Gary? I'd appreciate that. Philippians chapter 2. As you turn there, uh, last summer, most of you were... Most of you were probably in church when Face the Nation was on CBS. It's usually on in the morning. Uh, but last summer, last August, Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State, was on Face the Nation. And on Face the Nation, she was being asked about some of the international problems that were going on at that time. You might remember that last August, the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and the Israelis were exchanging missiles back and forth and you know, trying to knock out each other's missile bases and and uh, bringing terror to the population there in Israel. At the same time, this group that we hadn't heard a whole lot of before called ISIS was starting to gain traction and was starting to move into Iraq, through Syria and into Iraq. And Madeleine Albright was asked if she would sum up the situation as she saw it internationally. And she said... To put it mildly, the world is a mess. To me, that kind of thought, wow, that's something. A politician who admits that the world is a mess. But it's true. And all of that was, all of that was going on before Ferguson. All of that was going on before Baltimore and their riots before the shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. All that was going on before the videos of Planned Parenthood and other things like that began coming out. And we look at the social issues that are going on in our country, and we look at the things that are going on in the world, and we would have to agree that, yes, the world is a mess. Or, as Isaiah put it in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The world is a mess. And while some Christians, looking at the mess our world is in, and especially the the mess that our society is in, Start bemoaning the fact of how rotten and how horrible things are. And things are bad. They start raising their hands and say, there's no hope. I would say, on the contrary, there is hope. There's a lot of hope. Because God, our God, has placed you and me in this world at this time, at this very important time, to accomplish his purposes. 
Look here at Philippians chapter 2. And I'd like to look this morning at just three verses, verses 14 through 16. And uh, Pastor Jim said I had 35 minutes starting now. Okay, whatever. You know, he said I had 35 minutes, but sometimes I listen to his messages on the Internet. He doesn't stop at 35. You know that more than I do. Uh, that's okay. We'll look at the Word of God here. I'd like to look, read, first of all, verses 14 through 16. Listen to the Word of the Lord. Do all things... The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. What I'd like to focus in on is one phrase primarily. And that is the last phrase of verse 15, where the Apostle Paul says, Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom you Christians shine as lights in the world. First of all, I'd like you to notice that Paul is making a statement of fact here. He is not giving us a command. He is not saying, you need to shine as lights in the world. He's not saying that. He's saying you shine as lights in the world. He is not giving a suggestion. You know, it would be a good idea if you would start shining as lights in this world. It's a fact. You shine as lights in the world. He's not giving a plea. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, shine He's not doing that. Paul is making a statement of fact. If you are a Christian, you are a light in this world. The NIV says stars in the universe, but that word stars or lights is, refers to luminaries. In the middle of darkness, where people have turned darkness for light and light for darkness, you, Christians, shine. You are lights in this world, you are light bearers to a community, to a city, to a state, to a country, to individuals who are groping in darkness. The Lord Jesus Christ came, we know, as the light of the world. Uh, in the account in which uh, the woman who was caught in adultery was brought to him, you might remember that account when Jesus got down and wrote in the sand and looked up at the accusers and said, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And those people left. And then he kept writing, looked up at the woman, said, Where are your accusers? And she said, They're all gone. And he said, Well, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right after he said that, we read that Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came as the light of the world. And when he was with his disciples, he said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. And here, the Apostle Paul, and also in Ephesians 5, turn, turn back a page 
or two in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul says, For you were once darkness. Uh, you know, I'm going to just pause here. I, in my Bible reading, I, as I've been reading through Paul's epistles, I've noticed so often that Paul refers to who we once were and who we are now. And he makes that comparison often. You were once this way, now you are this way. And I think the reason he does that is to help us remember what we once were, because that's important. And I'm going to touch on that again in a little bit here. But here in verse 8, he says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk or live as children of light. And so the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, Among whom, Paul says, you shine as lights in the world. Well, who are the whom among which we shine as lights in the world? In verse 15 of Philippians 2, he says that we are children of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We are in the middle. We shine in the middle, Paul says, of a twisted and and depraved society in a twisted and depraved world. He's referring to the people of his age, and it was very much that way for the Philippians. They lived in a godless society. They lived in an immoral society. They lived in a place where the people of their day were not in any way or any form following the standards of Scripture. They didn't know the standards of Scripture, and they could care less about what the Old Testament Scripture said, these Gentile believers. They were used to just walking their own way, living sensually, living any way they desired. And Paul says, among this godless people, this people who were in fact persecuting them as believers, Paul says, you shine. You bring light to them. And we too live in a sin-contaminated world. We live in a world with sinful agendas. We know that. We live in a world with a total disrespect of life. Well, put it this way. We live in a world with a total disrespect of human life. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Same week that Planned Parenthood videos come out, the big front page news is the lion. You know, and I'm not for going out and shooting lions everywhere. I mean, got to keep them in the zoo. And wherever else, but I mean, I'm not for just going out and killing animals recklessly, but that's where our society looks at the animals. They don't care that much about abortions. They don't care that much about the elderly. They don't care. We don't care about the homeless. Just soon pass them by and sweep them under the park bench. (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. We don't care that much or our society doesn't care that much to stand up and do something about human trafficking. Yes, there's a a few voices that stand, but very little. We live in a society that has disrespect for human life. 
We live in a society of lost souls. And you know, it shouldn't surprise us. Because as I said before, Paul often says that's what we once were as well. Go back to Ephesians again, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul reminds the Ephesian believers who they once were and who they are now. Verse, verse 1 of Ephesians 2, he says, And you... God made alive when you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Paul says, remember that that was once you. You were like that. You lived that way. You followed Satan's way. You're part of the world system. Among whom, verse 3 says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. We all fulfilled the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were all by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul says, that's who we were. But, verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by what? By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul says, that was you. You look at the world, you condemn the world, you point the finger at the world, but that was you. And if it were not for the grace of God, there would be you today. So instead of pointing the finger at them, instead of yelling at them, instead of being disgusted with them and saying, I want nothing to do with them, Paul says, remember why You were saved. You were saved to be a light in the middle of a crooked and depraved generation. You were saved to shine in this generation. You might remember the Lord Jesus Christ on the night before his death prayed in John 17. And he prayed this for his disciples. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Isn't that interesting? I'm not praying, Father, that you remove them from the persecutions. I'm not praying that you remove them from this sinful society. I'm not praying that you will remove them from the mess that this world is. I do not pray that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. And then he says this, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. How did the Father send Jesus into the world? John 3.17 says, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 
He came to seek and to save those who were lost. And he says, Father, as you sent me to be a light, so I am sending them to be that light. So the Apostle Paul writes to those of us who are members of the body of Christ. And he says, now then we are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ. As though we were, God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, be reconciled to God. And so God has given us that task of making known to the world the need to be reconciled to God, of being lights in this world. My friends, that is why God has placed this church on this corner, 185th and 1st. That is why God has placed you in your neighborhood. That is why God has placed you on your job. That is why God has placed you in your school. God has placed you there for a purpose. So that in that location, in front of those people, you will shine as a light in darkness. So that they can see the one who is the ultimate light of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ. We shine here. We shine in this world. Let's not forget that. Turn back, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. In verse 16, he says how we shine in this world. He says uh, that we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of light. We do so as we hold fast, as we offer, as we hold out to others the word of truth, the word of, of life that is found in Jesus Christ. I got news for you folks. 2016 is upon us. It's an election year. Government is not going to change the hearts of people in the United States. I don't care who we elect as the next president, as our next governor, as our next mayor. It is not going to make a bit of difference in the hearts of people. I don't care how many Ten Commandments are placed on courthouses and city squares. It's not going to make a difference. Because the human problem isn't a problem of having an elected person who may have an affinity towards Christians or people reading a list of Ten Commandments. The human problem is a problem of a heart. And the only solution to the problem of the heart is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Without Him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Andrew Crouch told us years ago. But He is. And it's only as people come to hear the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ that it's going to make a difference. And that will only happen as we who are lights shine as lights and hold out to them the message of hope in Jesus Christ through His Word. Look over, if you would, very quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Where Paul gives us good news and bad news. And then more good news. He starts out in verse 12 and he says, 
Yes, all of you desire who live to be a, excuse me, all of you who live, who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. That's the good news. Why is that good news? Well, because they're going to get worse and worse, it means it's not so bad today. (laughs) So, don't feel so bad, it's going to get worse, you know? Enjoy it while you can. But the bad news is it's going to get worse and worse. That's for our kids and our grandkids. It's going to get worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. And then he says this, but you, but you, Christian, but you, believer, you, Timothy, must continue in the things you have learned and are assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The difference, Paul says, is this. As things go from bad to worse to worse and worse, you have something within you. You have the light. You have received Christ from your childhood or from whatever age you came to know Christ as Savior. You've received the truth. Now continue in it. Shine with it to our world. And be involved, engage that next generation. And I'm, boy, I'll tell you, if this isn't a charge here to be involved in the lives of your children, our children, Loretta and her brothers and sister and our youth, if that isn't a charge to do that, I don't know what is. This church has always been committed to young people, to children. To the youth. This church should never. I want to tell you something folks. This church should never be at a place. Where Kevin Lane or Susie Bates. Is going to have to say. We don't have enough workers. For this ministry. Because if you and I. If you. Are not investing in the lives of these young people. You're falling short. You're not doing the very minimum of preparing the next generation to be lights for the gospel. I'm sure you're doing that. Many of you are. You're never too old. Let me tell you something. You are never too old. I know people who are in their 80s and beyond who are serving Christ faithfully in the church, Sunday school, children's church, things like that. You can do it. You can do it. But Paul says to Timothy, Remember these things. Remember what you have heard. Put it into practice. And our responsibility as believers today is to share. To share the good news with others. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The fact that that God loved us so much that He sent His Son and that Christ died on the cross for our sins was buried and rose again the third day for our sins. And that by faith in Him, we and everybody around us who puts faith in Him can have eternal life in Him. And I believe, folks, I believe that Christ even today can and will transform the most depraved life. Do you believe that? 
I believe, friends, that even today, Christ can and will transform the most depraved life. Do you believe that? Faith comes by hearing. And how can they hear unless we tell them? We believe it. Are we sharing it? We need to be sharing. We need to be those lights that hold out the word of truth. One more thing I'd like to mention before I close from Philippians chapter 2. Before I mention what that is, I want to tell a quick little story about our first church that Kathy and I served in. Pastor Jim mentioned it was in Long Creek, Oregon. How many of you have ever been through Long Creek? My family has. Some of you may have not noticed. Uh, three, three ninety, Highway 395 goes south from Pendleton, Oregon, towards John Day. Ninety miles south, there is a blinking light, yellow, on 395. It blinks red, the cross street. It's a mile square. It's Long Creek, Oregon. Population, when we were there, about 210. Um, cattlemen, things like that, in the, in the area around. So we had, we'd get about 60 or 70 on a good Sunday. And hunting season, we were down to about 30, 35. But... We were out in the middle of nowhere. We did have electricity. (laughs) We did have phones and things like that. But we were far away from the main source of power. And the power lines came over the Blue Mountains. And so when there's a heavy snowstorm, sometimes those power lines would go down. And sometimes we would be without electricity for two or three days at a time. Fortunately, we had a wood stove to heat things. And we had, of course, candles. But we also had this really neat kerosene lamp. That we would light up and they could, you know, we'd light it and it would just kind of shine throughout the room. But, you know, sometimes what would happen is I'd put kerosene in the lamp and it would be filled to its proper level with kerosene. I would trim the wick. I would put the chimney back on after I lit the lit the wick and I'd set it up there and it was just kind of this dull light coming out. So what I'd have to do is I would have to take the chimney back off. And inside, it was covered with soot. And I'd have to get a rag, and I'd have to clean the soot off the chimney, the inside of the chimney, put it back on, and then the light would shine out throughout the room. Paul has a concern. And Paul's concern is this. Sometimes our lives are covered with soot. And even though we shine as lights in a crooked and depraved generation, that generation often cannot see it because of the soot that is covering that chimney or or preventing the light from going out. Verse 14. Do all things, Paul says, without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault. Do all things, he says, without complaining and disputing. In the original, the first word there, and it's there for emphasis, is the word all. All things do without complaining. All things do without murmuring. 
All things do without bickering. All things do without being like the people of Israel in the desert saying, what has God gotten me into now? What in the world is going on here? I don't like this. I don't like this president. Get rid of him. I don't like these politicians. Dear Facebook, I got cheated at McDonald's today because such and such a cashier, name here, at such and such a location didn't give me the right change. And the whole Facebook world says, poor you, I'll never go to that McDonald's again, whatever. That might be a little extreme, but Facebook, Twitter, whatever, assassinates a lot of characters. (laughs) I don't mean just 140. (laughs) We as believers sometimes are so dim as far as allowing our light to go forth. Because what the world sees in us is what we're against, not who we're for. What the world sees in us is how we so much can't stand people of the homosexual agenda. People of the homosexual agenda. Instead of the fact that, you know, the sin is something we don't, we can't tolerate. But we love the people. And we muffle or we dim the light by our murmuring, by our complaining, by saying to God, God, you have put me in the wrong time in this world. And you've put me with people that I can't stand. Instead of seeing that God has placed us here with a purpose to shine as lights. Really quick, I'd like you to go over to Titus chapter 3. There's another example of Paul reminding us of who we once were. And I think that this is so important. As we think about the things that are going on in our world, things that, yes, are sinful. Yes, are reprehensible to God. And yes, we need to flee as far as being involved in. But being done by people who God loves. Who Christ came to die for. People who are like us. Verse 1 of Titus 3, he says, Remind them, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. I think the NIV says to slander no one, to speak evil of no one. Well, except, no, not except for anybody. No one means no one. Speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle, to show all humility to all men, not just the ones who are like you, not just the ones with whom you are comfortable, but to all men and women. For we ourselves were once foolish. We ourselves, don't forget this, were once disobedient. 
We ourselves were once deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's how we once were, just like them. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we had done, not because we had somehow figured it out and said, you know, I'm going to start living a godly life now. <laughs> no, we hadn't figured it out yet. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing and regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of God's grace. Because of God's sweet grace. We are not like that today. And God wants to offer his sweet grace to those around us. And so God has made us to be lights in the world. He has placed Berean on this corner and given Brian a tremendous opportunity because there are many within a couple blocks of us here, many who don't know the light. And this church can shine with the light, reaching out and offering the good news. God has placed you in your job to be that light. Yes, they're asking you to do things and to attend classes that you don't want to attend and you could stick your nose up at it and you could fight it and you can complain about it and dim the light or you can love them and continue to shine for Christ in the middle of a crooked and depraved generation Paul says you are lights be blameless in the eyes of the world. Be pure within yourself. Be unblemished as a pure channel through which God's light can shine. And then, and only then, will we make a difference in this world. Ephesians 5.8 For you were once darkness, but now, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Father in heaven, we thank you for our Savior. We thank you for his sacrifice on Calvary's cross for us. We thank you, Father, that we have life eternal with him because of that. And we confess, Father, we acknowledge that it is not by works of righteousness that we had done. We have done nothing to deserve you. We have not been done nothing to deserve the life that you offer. But Father, it is because of your mercy, because of your grace. May we not become haughty and proud in that grace. But humbly remember from where we have come and reach out to those who were not for your grace would be us as lights of the glorious message of Christ. 
We pray in his precious name. Thank you all for coming and joining us today. Thank you, Frosty, for sharing God's word. Frosty will come out with me. And if you have any questions, want to talk to Frosty. And if you've maybe never met him, might be newer to our congregation, make sure you introduce yourself. There's literature in the tables back there that he's asked you to take. And I encourage you to do that. Again, we'll meet next uh, Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock. We'll be coffee at 9.30, uh, as we will each Sunday uh, through this, this time. Um, as I was growing up, there were three addresses I spent most of my life. One is 546 North 79th Street, which is where I live now, because I grew up in that house, and we live there now. The other was 2345 North 185th Street. You know where that is? Right here, because this was really the center of my life. Uh, my mom uh, had enough uh, spiritual sense to keep me here and involved here, and this really was the center of my uh, social life and my friendships that have lasted throughout a lifetime. The other address was 16750 Burke Avenue North. Any of you recognize that address? That's where Frosty and Teresa grew up. And uh, because of Teresa, I spent a lot of time there <laughs> since the time I was 18 years old. And every time we left that house, every time we left the house up until uh, the last days that uh, her dad was uh, still there, uh, all of us, grandkids, kids, whatever, every time we left, uh, there was one parting phrase when we left. Don't forget to pray. No matter what, walk the, don't forget to pray. And I want to encourage you today, let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our ministry of our church. Let's pray for our young people and our children. Let's pray for these babies that we dedicate and their families. And let's pray that together we will be that light in this community and in this world that God has enabled us and given us the privilege to be today. Amen? Amen. Thank you for coming. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for... Just how good you've been to us. You've provided us for us. You've cared for our families. You've given us a, a place here where we can come and worship. Sing your praises as we've done this morning. Listen to your word. Share your word. Encourage one another. But as we leave here, Lord, the church does not stay here. The church now it goes into our world. And the church will be in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our places of employment, in our apartments, in our homes, in our neighborhoods this week, beginning now. And we pray that we indeed will be the lights of the precious gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. Might we remember to pray for one another, pray for this ministry, pray for our missionaries, and together lift up the word of life that all may see. In Christ's name we do all pray together and all God's people can say together, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for coming and sharing with us today.